Hey, wrestling. Coming to you on Saturday at noon. Uh, we didn't have a Wednesday show. We decided, you know, we're going to try to cover everything today. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, guys. If you're a new listener, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We normally do this show Wednesdays, or I'm never going to get that right for a long time, uh, on Thursdays, in which we've kind of switched uh, recently. Thursdays at 7 p.m. EST for two hours, and then Saturday at noon for two hours. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you want to check out our website of geek vibes nation, that's the uh, bigger uh, company above everything. We cover a lot of stuff, including wrestling's comics, comic book movies, video games, and all that lovely, lovely stuff. So definitely go to geek vibes nation and you can find links to our Instagram, our Twitter, and our Facebook. Join the conversation. We would love that with the Geek Vibes Nation. And um, also, if you guys don't want to listen to us live on Blog Talk when we first uh, record this, we are also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, and pretty much every other listening format that you could think of. It's, it's amazing. So definitely uh, thank you for joining us, regardless if you're a new listener or an old listener. We love all of our old listeners. And uh, let me just introduce my co-host, the co-hostess with the mostest, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing wonderful, man. Trying to get woke up, but uh, doing great. How, how have you been, man? How's your weekend so far? You know, it's it, not too bad. It's uh, it's early on, but um, I have a whole lot of nothing uh, planned for today. Uh, you know, and then some pay-per-views to watch. So it's rainy. It's uh, it's one of those weekends where, since it's raining, it it, it kind of vindicates me uh, to not do a whole <laughs> hell of a lot of anything. Uh, so yeah, how's your weekend, buddy? It's it's going okay. Uh, it hasn't turned me into the lead singer of Dashboard yet. Um, my hair is not everywhere screaming in fidelity. Yeah, we should just start trying to throw in the references of Dashboard Confession. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners would love that. Um, I mean, but, uh, why yeah. not? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. So uh, so you were telling me uh, about the Black Friday deal for 2K20, and uh, I looked, and uh, now I, I, I purchased 2K20 because it's dropped down to $30 on the website or on, uh, on uh, Xbox Live. So I downloaded it. Uh, it's still got a lot of glitches in it. So uh, I'm going to continue to play my old one and then kind of switch over to this one. But one thing that was cool about it, Chris, is they have mixed tag matches because of uh, that terrible after show that I forgot, the mixed match challenge or whatever. So I had a pretty intense match between Roddy Roddy Piper and Ronda Rousey against Charlotte and Ric Flair. So that was uh, that was pretty nifty. Um, I don't know why I pulled that on my ass to start off with. Uh, that seems great. So here's a question. Is it like WWE intergender where – like, if you yeah. a male tag female, the other female has to be tagged in to continue the match? 
Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's not impact rules, I guess you could say, because <laughs> they're the ones that are highlighting the uh, uh, intergender uh, style wrestling. It's it's WWE rules, but one of the things that's cool about it is that the transitions and the tag team moves are very. Um, it looks like Ric Flair and Charlotte uh, automatically have some stuff because they were like doing matching chops and taking them to the. Uh, the uh, opposite corners and kind of working on them together in sequence. So they worked on some cool stuff for it, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not intergender. Intergender. God. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I have also purchased the game and downloaded it, but I have not played a single second of it. I've, I've been uh, playing rage Two, So nice. <laughs> I guess after I finish that, um, that'll be my next thing. I have a lot of time off, uh, around the holidays so like this whole week i've been off and next week i'm off and uh i think i'm back at work for two days and then off for another week so i have a lot of time to get some video games in for sure we'll see see how oh. far i get into uh, wwe well poor you chris god <laughs> <laughs> no I'm it's, just it's a trade-off it's got- i i it, it, it's a trade-off because I didn't take any time at all the entire rest of the year. Well, so. no, that's a difference, and I'll compare and throw a little bit of shade, is that you work your ass off, and that's why you get rewarded with, unlike some of these dickbag fucking podcasters that complain on air about having to cover so much wrestling when well, that's their actual income. Um, it's good stuff to provide for your Patreon. Good stuff to provide for your Patreons, uh, Stephen Larson. Anyways, uh, let's, um, let's move on. And start talking about. I kind of wanted to go over some of the highlights for Ron SmackDown because it kind of leads in the Survivor Series. I would I was thinking that we do uh, that Survivor Series, NXT, then Takeover, and then finish with AEW. So we got a lot to cover. So let's get right off the bat. Um, I'm gonna give you basically a list of all the stuff, and then you can comment on it, and then I'll do that too. Uh, you know, whatever you want to basically talk about. I thought it was interesting that they're trying out Samoa Joe. Um, on commentating since he's injured. I think that him on both that and backstage has provided, Chris, that, you know, whenever Joe decides to hang up uh, his boots, I think that there's going to be a lot of potential for him in other places. And uh, I really liked him on commentary. Um, I love how they kind of, like, made it so that, like, since Dio Madden got taken out, he's the new uh, muscle just in case Brock Lesnar decides to come around. I thought that was kind of cool. Incomplete good matches was a theme. I was really enjoying Seth and Almas, and I was really enjoying KO and McIntyre, uh, but they had to keep on pushing this, uh, you know, Survivor Series angle. Uh, Triple H would invite people to NXT and try to recruit Kevin Owens before the Undisputed Era, I guess in a miscommunication, jumped him with both Adam Cole and Triple H puzzled with each other, it looked like, which is very interesting how that's going to shape up. Um, And then uh, Aleister Black versus, uh, you know, Buddy Murphy – Terrible way to set it up, Chris, but I will say, you know, knowing how high apparently Paul Heyman is on both guys, I would love a best of seven series between the two of them. I just don't think, unfortunately, they're going to push Aleister Black in the direction a lot of us thought they would, Um, which whatever way is fine. But, um, you know, that was pretty much all the big stuff on Raw. We also had the return of AOP beating the crap out of Hawkins and Ryder. Uh, but do you have any statements about any of those said things, sir, before we move on to SmackDown? Well, first off, fuck WWE. 
for ruining a great Drew McIntyre Kevin Owens match. Those guys are out there trying to kill themselves to have an amazing match in the like basically uh, the best match on the show, and then we don't even get a finish, which sucked. Um, I get why they did it, and and I'm fine with them uh, offering. Kevin Owens to come into the fold of NXT, but then again, he wasn't on NXT. So, <laughs> I was kind yeah. of like, really confused of what, what the point of it was or why we just didn't get a finish or like a run-in or something, at least as a finish before the uh, the offering. So, that, that piece of it was kind of bad. I agree with you in the Andrade stuff. I think it's interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with... Uh, him and Alistair, it's kind of weird. Andrade's character, it's a little weird for him to even. You mean Murphy, right? About that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Sorry. Um, You're good. Uh, it's it's a little weird that he would even be challenging Murphy at all because Murphy hasn't really won any matches um, to put him on the level of as, as Andrade. But I, I, I mean, you know, they're going to have good matches, and a best of seven could be good. My only problem is like last time they did a best of seven with two guys that were, like, pretty good workers, but we'll say Sheamus and Cesaro, they just threw them in a tag team afterwards. <laughs> so you don't want to see Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy in a tag team after all of this, basically, is what you're saying? No, I don't. I would prefer not to see that. Raw, um, overall, man, it was just kind of a... It, for a go-home show, it, it was kind Plus of nothing... Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it was kind of a nothing show. Um I mean, the biggest thing that came out of it was setting up, like, a hot NXT, which I'm fine with, um, and I thought NXT was very good. But, yeah, as far as, like, Raw goes, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about or, or get excited about, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I, that KO Drew McIntyre match was awesome. I thought they were just – they were killing – like you said, they were killing it and killing each other in the process. I really did also like the Seth Rollins-Andrade uh, uh, match. Uh, and but both of them got you know because of this angle stopped suddenly. Black and Murphy's interesting. Um, I I just wanted more for Alistair Black. I guess I, you were right in all of it. I guess I got my hopes up. Like you know, and I've kind of realized instead of taking the direction, which honestly the comparison probably wasn't the best thing, but taking the, instead of taking the direction of Alistair Black, at least right now trying to be an Undertaker concept, I've kind of said that like a Minoru Suzuki type of this dominating fighter or even Taz would also benefit Aleister Black. So them two doing a best of seven, I, 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 that was just a guess by me, but them in a match would be good. Black's got to go over though. So unless they're going to continue the feud, it's not going to help Murphy out. Maybe, well, unless they have a really great match, but in the long run, AOP coming back was interesting. Uh, you know, I kind of love the idea of Finn Balor with the two of them, like he was pitching, but doesn't look like that's going to work out. And Kevin Owens' recruitment, it was very strange. It, it looked like, since the other three started attacking him, that both Adam Cole and Triple H were making it look like they didn't make that decision, like one of them made that decision. So I don't know what that means. I think that there is a possible chance, since they haven't announced and Kevin, Kevin Owens is going to be the, uh, the, uh, the fourth guy for NXT in the War Games match. That's just a prediction of mine. There's not a lot, lot to back it up, but since he wasn't on NXT, it just seems they're going to do something with them. So, uh, yeah, um, other than that, yeah, that was pretty much Monday Night Raw. You know, it was a lot of buildup. Um, and that kind I, of uh, – There was, was uh, also... What's up? 
Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, I, I liked the AOP coming back. I just thought the um, Hawkins and Ryder won a match, I guess, overseas that wasn't recorded just on a house show for a tag team title shot, and then they just got their ass kicked <laughs> before it. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, if I'm just like – if I'm Hawkins and Ryder, next time they ask me if we want a title shot, I'm just going to be like, no. <laughs> I don't want AOP to show up and murder us. <laughs> just let us talk Scared about our real lives. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think you're a little. <laughs> I think you're a little spot on with um, as far as where they might be going with Kevin Owens. I, I, for a while there, I I had thought that this is the perfect time. You're going to pull John Morrison in. Um, you got some, you know, an injury spot to fill. He hasn't really debuted yet. They're paying him uh, a good amount of money. We'll say I'm not going to say like a substantial, but a pretty good contract. And he's done dick all except for like show up in the crowd with some sunglasses on. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think I think that's the biggest thing about war games for me is like who these mystery people are going to be. Um, but yeah, like I like AOP a lot. It's just kind of crazy. It's taken them long this long to get AOP up and going. I know there were some injuries, but it, it, they also are going to get stuck because they're going to build them similar to the Viking Raiders. And obviously they're going with raw, I guess for the two monster tag teams. I just don't know that that tag team roster is large enough to really pull it off where it makes sense. They're just going to have to keep bringing in job guys and I'm fine with squash matches and stuff. It's just generally better if you have a set team of job guys that maybe every once in a while get a win as opposed to just like, here's two random dudes from Rhode Island, like the Polo Boys or whatever the hell they were a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, all, jokes, all jokes aside, I um, with Aleister Black, I, I, I don't know. I, you said that you were right, but I, I don't know if – I don't even remember what I said, but I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of you have to have this guy kill a bunch of people. And I, and I well, think they were doing it. You, you just that, said, but... don't expect him. You, you kind of just alluded to like, you know, even though he has a lot of presence in NXT, that doesn't mean they're going to treat him the same way on the roster. And he seemed to have a lot more potential until now. So, you know, a lot of the comparisons with Undertaker, it seems like they, they don't look at him like that. Paul Heyman might, but he's going to be more of a, a Benoit or a Taz or, you know, someone's just a great fighter, you know, it's more of a kickboxer than um, a mystical presence, I guess, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I guess the biggest problem with me is that he's been, he, the way he's been utilized, they haven't kept a constant presence of him kicking ass. It's like, it will go no, like terrible vignettes years. instead. Yeah, and and he won't even have a match for like almost a full month, and then he's probably if they end up doing, but I don't know if they, I haven't looked at the Survivor Series card yet, but my guess is since they teased it, he's going to be on the pre-show, and that's like kind of where wrestlers' careers go to die death in a lot of ways, unless they're Buddy Murphy who just puts out bangers and matches on the pre-show. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a great match, but like. It's also the pre-show, you know, and he, I, to me, Aleister Black was like a big star they could have done something with. Um, yeah, probably should have just put him in a feud directly. And kind of even the way he got brought up, I mean, he was just thrown in a tag team with Ricochet, which is, in itself, is like, why the hell would they be a tag team? Um, yeah, so I actually feel for Aleister Black because I think he's a really good worker and he's got a look. Um, 
he was obviously pretty great in in, uh, in the UK as what was it Tommy End I think was his name and yep. he did great shit in, in NXT so it's just kind of I, I don't know how you miss on some of these people. They always talk about we need to build stars, we need to build stars, but when they have the opportunity to build someone like, you know, AOP or War Machine or Aleister Black, they've consistently showed us that they dropped the fucking ball. Um, and, oh, and, and Dana, I'm not, I'm not sure if you're aware of something. it. Go ahead. You can finish your statement, sorry. No, I was going to say, Dane, I, didn't know if, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Ricochet is a real-life superhero. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, no, and, and, and here's the thing is, like, a lot of people will say, like, the Vince McMahon has a type, and I agree with you. But the funny thing is, Vince isn't even going for the ones that are, quote-unquote, his type. If you look at Drew McIntyre and the potential of him, he's been completely stagnant for a very long time. Uh, let's look at, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, someone like a Bobby Roode, EC3. These people are literally Vince McMahon types, and he's still – just NXT, for some reason, he doesn't get it. Sometimes he does, but a lot of times he doesn't. So it's like that concept that, like, oh, they're not, you know, you know not saying that you said this, but, like, the, the concept, like, they're not a Vince-styled person. He's had people that are literally his look, what he looks for in a wrestler. Great on the mic, good in the ring, you know, very muscular, great body, and he still just doesn't get it. It's fucking amazing to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It, it's just, it is really weird. I, I, at this point, I don't even know what Vince's type is because his booking is so fucking sporadic. It's impossible to pin down like who he thinks is good and who he thinks is trash. Um, I mean, obviously, he doesn't like EC3. The poor guy, like EC3, is just completely buried. I can't even remember the last time I saw him on TV outside of – That's what uh, happens like, when I, you're related to Dixie Carter, you know, if you're related to her. Yeah, I mean, terrible, what, uh, two really? months, two – Two or three months ago, he did that little short segment with R Truth and Carmella, and we haven't really seen him since, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, I don't know, man. I it is really weird. There, there are guys there. Like I, I thought that he would be all in on Aleister Black and pushing him to the moon. So I don't know if Aleister Black said something to piss him off or. The the other thing is anyone that kind of has a relationship in this company outside of Charlotte Flair. Seems like they don't really get pushed. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. He's pissed off that he has to continuously put these guys on the same roster or whatever. I don't remember. I, I don't know if you remember that clusterfuck last time they did the uh, the draft. But uh, maybe that's a little bit of what it is. Like you know the fact that Andrade's manager is his girlfriend or. And, I mean, you know, with Seth and Becky, they were already at the top of the card before they got together. So it's kind of impossible for him to do that. But, like, if you, it's almost like if you come in with a relationship, oh, jeez, you better just hope for – you better hope Vince likes you. That's that's kind of it. Um, you got I mean, you to hope that Vince doesn't cut off your balls, basically, live on television. Yeah. Uh, yes, poor Rusev and uh, Mike Bennett, who – I, I don't know. Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis are getting paid like five hundred thousand as a team, essentially, and they killed that angle. And I doubt we'll ever see them on TV. But they're signed to a three-year deal, so as long as they're showing up at the building, you know, good for them, man. He's <laughs> way to collect five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> kind of right, sucks well, for uh, for Bennett because he's a, he's a pretty damn good wrestler. But it is what it is at this yeah. point. Yeah. 
And, dude, by the time – I mean, I don't want to throw – oh, God, I was about to say. Mike Bennett, uh, his old home might not even be there by the time he gets out of WWE. So, uh, yeah, I don't even know. Um, a lot of controversy this week, and we're not going to be covering any of it because uh, we're not TMZ. So, just going to be honest with you guys on that. Anyways, SmackDown. <laughs> SmackDown had a couple things from last night that I really liked. Uh, I actually enjoyed the show, but once again, it's because it had so many wrestlers from so many other places, and it was a lot of just battling to build up the Survivor Series. But out of that, we got the ladies' three-way match, which I thought was awesome. You know, at first, thinking about Charlotte and, and Sasha, they always put on a good match, so that would have been cool. But then the presence of Rhea Ripley and the visual that we got with Charlotte and her staring each other down um, that was pretty awesome. And, you know, the match didn't really go anywhere, but I liked the setup of it. I like that they're, they're kind of trying to, to keep us, like, they had the two teams, but then with Rhea, we had pretty much most of the female roster. So Tony Storm was there. I hope they didn't accidentally give away because of Vince who the other opponent is, but it's kind of like there were so many, you know, it's, we don't know who's going to be on war games. Either way, I like the three-way. I love the new Intercontinental Championship title. I think, God, why couldn't they design the fucking heavyweight titles with something like that? I think it it kind of looks like a Lucha Underground title, but at the same time, it's really cool, and I love the old school, obviously the white old school inter, Intercontinental, the Intercontinental title is really uh, cool, but I like the new one. The design's uh, pretty awesome, I, I thought, uh, compared to like some of the other fucking titles they've put out uh, as of recently. Um all the NXT wins with the Undisputed Era and Ripley is interesting, but also makes me think that that might be a reason why a lot of NXT people also lose, given how Vince is. Uh, but Daniel Bryan and The Miz, I thought they gave away that match. I thought that that should be something that builds up later. Maybe they potentially will. I like that the reaction online with The Fiend is good, uh, the comment section, and in the audience. But I got to admit that... Even though the two guys I think will have a good match, I don't care about this as much. And I was completely on the Fiends, you know, about a month and a half ago, two months, whatever, before the fucking Hell in the Cell thing. And, yeah, the NXT tank was, a, well, a Jeep with a with a, probably a metal tube that just looked like a fucking tank part. But whatever. <laughs> it, was, it was a cool throwback. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I thought it was fun. I love how, like they said, Triple H, Road Dog, and Shawn Michaels were like, all right, guys, go get them. And we had just had all that mayhem uh, leading up to a match that I never knew I wanted between Braun Strowman and fucking Keith Lee in the middle of the ring. Uh, weird that Drew McIntyre didn't come up to interact with that type of concept as well. But, uh, yeah, I really liked a lot of the brawling. Uh, I wish it was a little bit more organized. I like it when they really get it so that the, uh, the you know, and they did for some parts uh, leading up to this. But with this big brawl, all we had was the Keith Lee, Braun Strowman stare down. I wish that there was more of that. But we'll get to the NXT part, which I thought they did really well uh, over on SmackDown. Strange how that works. Uh, Chris, what did you think about SmackDown? Actually, overall, I thought SmackDown was was a pretty decent show. I, I thought that we had a you know like a pretty good build to the pay per view. I liked the Rhea Ripley uh, stare down and Charlotte Flair, as you mentioned. Charlotte Flair's if not the best female wrestler in the world, damn. Do you think she broke it. her nose? I, possibly. I mean, that was, yeah. I I think I think you that there could be something there. I mean, um, I, I it's 
it's a little it's a little crazy to think about like the fact that the two to me the two best American female wrestlers right now are Tessa and and Flair. So Tully and Flair. <laughs> yep. Um but yeah, Rhea Rhea looks great. And I, I kinda agree with you with the NXT stuff as well. It, it because of the way we've been conditioned as WWE fans, if you win on the Go Home Go Home show, you're almost guaranteed to lose <laughs> on the pay per view. So from that standpoint, it kind of sucks. And I still, like, without looking at the actual card, I don't know who is on whose team because they've been doing this constant thing where they're like, well, if so-and-so wins, then they're on the team. But if they lose, they're not on the team. And the thing that makes the Survivor Series, the concept itself, die a death outside of, you know, NXT being a part of it is there's only one GM involved in this, which I got at this point, I guess, which would be Triple H. But why would any of the rest of these people give a single fuck if they're on the Survivor Series team? There's no title shots really coming out of it. There's not – I mean, there's nothing that's going to help them in their career or pursuit of winning a title. And and I gathered that from both, you know, the previous Raw and and SmackDown and this week's Raw and SmackDown. They haven't given us a reason to care about why these matches are happening outside the fact that it's like, oh, shit, NXT is there. That's cool. Um, And maybe that's enough for most people, but – I've been kind of looking just for a, a you know a little bit more something to latch on to, even if it was something dumb like, you know, you remember when uh, Ted DiBiase had the ten thousand dollar purse or whatever, and Big John Stud won. Uh, yep, but you know something like that. Obviously, the money would have to be more nowadays, um, but something like that with like maybe you have the wrestlers talk about how much you know money that is for them since they every wrestler on in WWE is poor as we learned from Kevin Owens so uh <laughs> maybe you build that storyline of why it would mean a lot to them um specifically the NXT guys or something but there's there's just nothing there to latch on to and i think that's the biggest thing like these shows in like, the Miz and uh, Daniel Bryan they did give it away for free but they've also kind of done it in the past and they need they needed Daniel Bryan to, you know, look strong headed into this pay per view against the Fiend because they just, they decided to rush that match as well. Um, I mean, he just won. Fiend just won the title, and now he's moved on to Daniel Bryan already with a very short build from the Saudi Arabia show. I think like three and a half weeks or something. Um, and Miz just happens to be that guy who the crowds can believe that, you know, that he can be a threat. He's like a 13 time or something, some ridiculous, uh, intercontinental champion. And, uh, he just gets put in those situations and, you know, it's fine because Miz, right. At this point with the Miz, I think you get what you're going to get. I don't think we're going to see him and Daniel Bryan for the title. Like we were thinking they were going to do after that real hot Miz and Daniel Bryan promo, um, back when we used to have talking smack. Um, Jesus. But I didn't have a huge problem with it, but I, you know, it is something that sucks because they could have built something really great out of that, and they really didn't. I mean, because Daniel Bryan would be able to have really good matches with the Miz. Uh, at any out of a lot of people on the roster, you know, Daniel Bryan would be able to drag a good fucking match out of the Miz, and uh, the Miz is great on the mic, so they did kind of miss the boat a little bit. And as far as the new IC title. I just prefer the classic one. I don't think it's bad. I'm not one of those people that's going to say it's an atrocity. I think I think it does look kind of cool. It's just when you start changing the looks of the belt, it kind of changes 
like the lineage doesn't mean as much in a lot of ways. And, and that's one big thing I loved about NWA is they kept the classic design of their titles. Yeah. Um, for NWA power, because the idea is that belt is supposed to mean everything. It should never change. It should always kind of look the same. Um, it, it doesn't matter, though, because, like, if they get tired of it, the fiend can just wave his hand and it'll fucking turn into something else. <laughs> it'll turn from the red brand to the blue brand. Well, you know, those Firefly fun houses, uh, that's that's uh that's what they could just do if they wanted. But um let's uh let's kinda get this in the Survivor series. You kinda brought up something that I wanna talk about when we're after all this, and that's what can anyone gain from this? Mainly NXT is the only one that can gain any type of thing from it, I believe. Uh, because like you said, I mean Survivor series really has become I mean, if you think about it if you think about it, it's like the big four to me, the ones that probably bring the most, uh, you know, there's two of them that have a reason with uh, Royal Rumble and um, also uh, with uh, Money in the Bank. Those are the two big ones that, it's like if you win those, you get something out of it. And then there's WrestleMania and SummerSlam that have their aspects to it. Survivor Series, we've always said the last person should get a title shot. It gives a reason for the thing. Now, what I think this year, I don't know if they're going to do this, I notice because I try to keep up with lots of perspectives, and hopefully they're not dumb enough for me to yell at people because I'd never do that ever online. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> the reactions, there are a lot of people, it seems, you know, they don't know NXT, and this is exposure for them, but some of them are like, who the hell are these guys, and why are they burying some of the biggest wrestlers on Raw and SmackDown? And if you take yourself out of it and realize that they're – they just don't really know NXT. They're much more casual people. I can see where they're coming from. But at the same time, if you're going to make a statement, if you're going to have Wednesday night wars, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter if Jericho, Cody, or Vince and fucking Hunter try to act like there is no war. There, are, there is to an extent. You put NXT over pretty damn strongly. Uh, the only thing they can really use in the conversation, which also I'm kind of worried about some of these guys, is that they had war games the night before, so some of the performance is going to be off, uh, which, you know, it, it, it is there. So if you do put over the NXT superstars to an audience that doesn't know them as much, and also vindicating the NXT fans, the guys like me and you, Chris, that like a lot of different wrestling that aren't as casual, I think it does do, it, it raises NXT's stock. Now, do I think Vince is going to do that? No, but honestly, as a businessman, Wednesday Night Wars, going against AEW, wanting to be able to take the smallest brand and elevate it because, really, Raw and SmackDown don't win shit in any of this. Remember last year, SmackDown lost pretty much majority. Raw won. No one gives a fuck. Two months later, one month later, it doesn't matter. It, it, that's, how, that's how little Survivor Series is. But if you give NXT a lot of dominant wins, and I, I don't think they're going to sweep. I would never expect that because of Vince. But if you do give them a lot of dominant wins, it does make people try to put these people on the same level as Raw and SmackDown, and you gain new viewers. Then, instead of just having people show up all the time to spike ratings, you grab a couple people, and I kind of suggested this to you, you grab a couple people that they're not utilizing, even a Kevin Owens. But we don't need all people on the same level as Kevin Owens. Like, we don't need him, Seth Rollins. 
but bring an EC3 back. Bring up Bobby Roode back. Bring some people that they're not doing shit with, Oscar and Kyrie Sane, to pump up that roster, keep them there, you know, and, and I think that that would help NXT immensely in the eyes of fans that might not know it as much. If you don't do anything like that and it's Raw and SmackDown or Raw dominates, who the fuck benefits from that? So that's my only statement with if anyone has anything to gain from Survivor Series, it is NXT when it comes to being able to be on the same level as Raw and SmackDown to more casual fans. Would you agree to an extent? Or do you have something different in, in mind? No, I think you're 100% right. Uh, the, the only reason that they don't do whoever wins Survivor Series gets a title shot is because then you book yourself into a corner. Like, you always have to have the match end with one person versus one person somehow. And it's a five versus five. And I think this entire show is going to be a little bit of a clusterfuck with three five versus five versus five matches. Um. I think the male match will probably be fine, but that match has got to go like 40 minutes for it to really get everyone to get their shit in. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, NXT has the most to gain for sure. And I think Undisputed, if you're smart, Undisputed Air, well, I will say the NXT crew in general should end up getting the win there um, for multiple reasons. Because if you plan on bringing any of these guys up, you want them to look like legitimate threats. That would make the most sense. With the with the women's match, they have some other big stars in there from the main roster that I feel like you could you know, you could easily point to and go, Okay, if you know, Raw wins or SmackDown wins, that's okay that's gonna be okay. Uh, but for the the men's match specifically, I, I feel like you really do need NXT to go over, especially to make it as, you know, a big deal. Um, I also think Shayna does not need to eat the pin. Earlier in the night for NXT, she should look completely dominant. Even if even if she's not going to win the match, she needs to look completely dominant. Um, I know some people don't like her. I think she's fucking great myself. But, you know, if you're building NXT and she's still going to be there for a while, then she's got to look super fucking strong in this match, which unfortunately for Bailey <laughs> means Bailey is probably – Bailey is still in that match, right? They didn't rotate her out. Nope, she's still in. Okay, so unfortunately for Bailey, like we've talked about previously, that means that she's going to be eating the loss. But, yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I don't know how you make Survivor Series great unless you can give us something believable for the winning team. Like maybe they get extra vacation days, which is absolutely insane <laughs> in WWE. Or You know what you I mean? Probably like, do that. you gotta give us, <laughs> you got to give us some reason why these people would actually care. And oh. as much as I hate GMs, this is a time where having GMs actually makes sense. Like for Shane to show back up or, you know, whatever, a McMahon or whoever's running SmackDown and whoever's running Age. Raw. Because then the, yeah, because then you can at least be like, if you guys don't fucking win, you're fired or something. And then you can spit a storyline out of it. But right now it is just kind of an invasion angle. So if you're Raw and SmackDown, like, you don't care about any of this. Why would you not just jump the NXT guys together and then eliminate all of them and then be like, all right, now we can have the rest of the match, I guess. Yeah. One thing I just remembered popped in my head was I loved the ending of how Charlotte lost to Rhea. I thought that was so well done how she had Sasha in the figure eight. She was about to tap her out. 
And then Rhea came in, did the backslide, and Sasha couldn't do shit because she was stuck still between Charlotte's legs. One, two, three. Charlotte loses. And I just love people fucking people that talk shit about Charlotte are just dullards. Anyways, but um, Charlotte, her <laughs> intensity, her intensity in her face. She might have broke her nose. She's bleeding from it. And her aggression, those eyes, so similar to her dad, just speak fucking volumes without her saying a damn thing. And it's uh, that that ending was fucking awesome to me. Yeah, great sequence. Charlotte is fucking phenomenal, and I did think that was a cool finish. I, the, as soon as it happened, my immediate thought was like, I wonder who came up with that. Like, which one of these? <laughs> like, did the did a booking agent come up with this, or did Charlotte and Rhea come up with this? Well, it, it was uh, a cool you see, uh, you know, uh, since I know wrestling so well, uh, you know, I I, I kind <laughs> of suggested it uh, to my dad. Uh, it's <laughs> I could I'm the game. Something like that, or Sean just Possibly. randomly walking by like. Hey, do a backslide pin. No one will expect that. And then just walking away. <laughs> Fucking awesome. Um, Let, do you want to get into I, the Survivor Series? Uh, these matches? Um, I, and honestly, I don't even know if we have every single one of them because there might be more announced like uh, for the pre-show. But the big chunk of them, there's a lot of a lot of crazy matches on this. Uh, the, I think the two I, big ones I, are the championship match. I, w- I was just going to say, before we get into it, I just want to point out the fact that Rey Mysterio is fucking phenomenal, because I forgot to talk Absolutely. about him on Raw, but Jesus, he's he's the biggest baby face they have. <laughs> he's like the only person that knows how Who's, to cut a baby face promo. Who is the definition of baby face between him and Steamboat, do you think? Oh, man. That's tough. I mean, Rey Mysterio winning the Royal Rumble and then getting the title, I think that's probably bigger than anything Steamboat did. I mean, Steamboat was the classic babyface, but he also had such great heels to work against, whereas with Rey, it was kind of like he's more of the underdog babyface. Like, it's believable yeah. that Ricky Steamboat would be able to beat everyone's ass, right? But, like, with Rey yeah, Mysterio, you, like you have like, Yeah. <laughs> but with, uh, with, with Rey, he's He's, I mean, it's specifically during that time period, literally everyone on the roster is like seven times his size. Um, I, I love Dre's promos leading into this, and I think that's one of the things we're about to talk about with these this title match, and that can go however way it's going to go, but as far as like a baby face goes, like Ray's one of the best. Like him and Cody right now are the two best baby faces in the world, hands yeah. down. It's not even close. And if WWE is smart, they should be putting people with Ray so that he can teach them how to be a proper babyface. Yeah, so let's go, let's talk about these two championship matches first, uh, well, and then we'll go down the card. Um, but, uh, yeah, no-holds-barred match for the WWE championship, Brock Lesnar, the champ, against Rey Mysterio, and then the Universal Championship match, uh, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, the champ, going against Daniel Bryan. Uh, my prediction, Chris, for the WWE Championship, I think a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy, but you were alluding to it as well. You easily, I think you could easily pretend, or have Cain Velasquez cause some type of, uh, you know, interference at the end of it, reignite their, um, their uh, whatchamacallit, their feud, and give that a reason to get the championship belt and let Ray have a pretty definitive, strong, win and give Rey Mysterio one of the biggest baby faces, one of the biggest 
or you know names in wrestling um, and one of the biggest, most innovative wrestlers, I would say, give him his last championship run. It doesn't even have to be that long. You know, we've done this with Daniel Bryan recently. Uh, we've done this with other people, uh, Goldberg even for a, a section. Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to put the championship belt on Ray. It gives a lot of potential for future matches that would be awesome with him as champ. And then you take it off of him, and he gets another, you know, championship run um, headed to WrestleMania. I don't even know if he makes it to Mania. I don't think that matters as much, but that's the direction I would go. I've always said Brock doesn't need the belt, you know, to be an attraction. And him and Cain Velasquez, they have unfinished business. It doesn't have to necessarily be Cain Velasquez, but I could just see them doing that. So set up Brock with something else. There is a good chance Brock's going to win. It's going to be a very similar match to him and Daniel Bryan or him and Finn Balor or him and AJ. Uh, but I actually think they might put the belt on Rey Mysterio. I really think that that could be what happens. That's what I'm predicting. And with the Universal Championship match, I think Daniel Bryan's going to bring it to Bray Wyatt. I like that they're kind of making him look a bit unstable uh, to counteract Bray Wyatt a bit. Um, and I think that his intensity is, is going to be much more there than Seth. When it, and he's not going to be as scared, basically, of Bray. So I could see this feud actually extending to get more into the layers of why they don't like each other, and I hope it's not so much Wyatt family shit, because uh, we don't need that at all. But I could see them going past this, but I think Bray Wyatt has to win this. So I'm going to go Rey Mysterio picking up off of Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt. And anyone saying that Brock would have a problem with that, I don't think he fucking would. He respects Rey Mysterio. And I don't think he's like, I need the title. His politicking is make sure he makes enough fucking money. <laughs> okay, his politicking is not making sure that he has the belt. I don't think that that's what he thinks. I think Vince <laughs> thinks the belt looks better around his waist, and it brings credibility to it. It's not the opposite to me. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think Brock gives zero fucks about the title. As we found out from him, didn't he throw the title at Vince McMahon <laughs> like not that long ago? <laughs> so, hey, what are you Brock. doing? I don't think Brock gives a fuck. You're not fired. Um, I'm going to take you down a little bit of a, a path here, and, and I don't know if you've seen this movie, but do you remember when they did Rocky Six, and they brought Rocky back, and they, they, they had the idea of he would never have a chance to beat this guy, and it was old Rocky versus the young, basically the Floyd Mayweather-type uh, character. Yeah. And that guy broke That's... his hand, and it evened the match out. I think you could easily do something like that with Brock's leg and having Kane attack him to make it believable, but still have Brock win, but also make people care about the match and the drama in the match. So if they want something that they could do that would be super easy, they should just watch Rocky six beforehand, do the same storyline, insert Kane Velasquez as the person that causes the injury Brock retains and you still set up Kane versus Brock down the road and you can keep, Brock off TV for a little bit because maybe he's legitimately injured in quotations. But like, if I'm booking it, that's what I'm fucking doing. I'm like, shit, just do Rocky Six. Uh, I could also see Ray winning. I don't think that's a bad pick. But I mean, you would just be doing something similar. I think it, you know, the the big money match would be Kane versus Brock. So that's where I would lean towards. Where if Ray wins it, and I mean, maybe they just don't feel like Kane is going to be at that level. Um, which is a possibility. So then Ray winning would make sense. But 
outside of that, if they're trying to get back to Kane versus Brock, I feel like you just have Kane do something crazy to hurt Brock to make the match super believable. It needs to go more than, you know, a 10-minute Brock match, more like like you said, the AJ, the Finn Balor matches. And um, it also gives you the believability that, hey, Ray might pull this off. And, and if that happens, that match is going to be fucking awesome. Uh, if it just starts and Brock just starts suplexing Ray all over the place, I mean, it'll still be awesome, but less awesome. Uh, as, as far as the Universal Championship match, I mean, hopefully they don't fuck with us and have Daniel win it here. Uh, I, I feel like Bray has to win it. I don't think there needs to be anything crazy that happens. I feel like they should just have a decent match. And Bray Wyatt just needs to get the win. I mean, I love Daniel Bryan, but like what they've done with the Fiend, he's already he's already they already put him in a grave. He's got to claw his way out of this fucking thing after Hell in a Cell. So hopefully, you know, putting him with Daniel Bryan, they can have two or three good matches together. That'll make fans come back around on the Fiend, I think, after Hell in a Cell. So I, I'm gonna say he's gonna retain, and Brock is gonna retain as well. But I think that that match is going to look a lot closer than it probably should. And if anyone from WWE is listening, just, just watch fucking Rocky six and just make that <laughs> storyline and insert Kane Velasquez. Oh, Rocky Balboa is such a damn good movie. I liked it. Like, well, I liked it a million times better than Rocky five. I'll just put it that way. Uh, but yeah, I think Antonio, uh, whatchamacallit, Antonio Tarver played uh, the, the Mayweather-style character, or John Jr.'s uh, fighting buddy back in the day, if you will, but uh, that was a damn good movie. Um, yeah, and I think they should definitely try to go for that. The old, you know, wrestler that doesn't know if he can actually do it against the new guy, uh, even though Brock's, you know, kind of a legend himself, he's, gonna, he's, he's much older but, uh, yeah, I definitely like that concept. Let's go to the uh, triple threat matches. First, we have uh, the triple threat women's championship match uh, with Bailey going against Shayna Baszler going against Becky Lynch. Um, I like that they gave us another three-way, like I said, that was, I think, the, the leaders, the captains, but three of the other big people within each, uh, you know, branch of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Uh, I, I, I mean – I want Shayna Baszler to win, but I feel like Becky's going to get a win. Uh, now, the way that you would do it with Shayna winning is to have Becky set she's in, you know, incapacitated outside, whatever happens, and then Bailey gets the loss from Shayna. She chokes her out. But I think this match has potential to be good, but it also it, it could fall apart very easily. Uh, no offense to any of the ladies, but... You know, that's that's how three-ways work. Uh, some of the ones I've seen them structure lately have been good, but I don't usually like three-way matches. But then we also have the uh, the one with the uh, the men, with the United States champion, AJ Styles, going against the Intercontinental champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, and NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong. This should be a fucking awesome match. This should be hard-hitting, because I know all these guys, especially Strong, like to just nail the shit out of people, and Nakamura for that matter. Um... But I feel like AJ's going to win it. I feel like he kind of has to. He doesn't really – if he loses, even if he got pinned, it's not going to hurt him at all. It's definitely going to hurt Shinsuke or Roderick, I would say, more so. Uh, but it just – I don't see AJ Styles losing the match. So I'm going to go with uh, Shayna Baszler somehow pulling it off, and I'm going to go with AJ Styles winning uh, against Shinsuke and Roderick Strong. Chris, what do you think about these two matches? 
I think Becky Lynch is probably going to win the 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 women's triple threat match. I could easily see Shayna winning also, but you would need some kind of setup where like maybe Shayna chokes out because there's no DQ. Maybe she chokes out Becky outside of the ring and, and you know puts her completely to sleep, and the ref can't break it up because there's nothing you can do. And then she you know goes in and beats uh, Bailey. But you could, I mean, you could flip flop Shayna and Bailey. You could have, you know, Shayna take out Becky, and then Bailey somehow gets a roll up pin. Um, I think that one's kind of a toss up because it's not going to hurt Becky at all either. I, I, it makes more sense for Shayna to win, but it's also Becky Lynch, and they push her to the moon. So I just, I'm assuming that she's going to end up winning there. Um, for the triple threat title versus title versus title match, um, I think Roderick Strong is going to win here. I really do. I, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like they're going to set up the the match after this with the Undisputed Air tag team and try to build that storyline up headed into the rest of the night. So I could see him winning by some sort of fuckery um, here. And also, they, they're, they're, they're still wanting to... I'm assuming they're still going to want to build the Bullet Club with Finn, AJ, and uh, you know the rest of the OC... So it, to me, that makes sense. And, and you could either have, you know, Roderick and AJ you lose to Shinsuke or you just have Roderick, you know, win strong. No pun intended. <laughs> Roderick strong. But, uh, um, I would I would say uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Roderick strong here. I could be completely wrong. It could be like last year and SmackDown lose every fucking match, but <laughs> I'm going to say Roderick strong uh, gets the win here. All right, so uh, then we have the uh, Triple Threat Tag Team Championship match. This has potential to be a fucking awesome match. You know, even though they haven't built the Viking Raiders the best within uh, Raw, uh, they still put on amazing matches, especially even Triple Threat triple threat Tag Matches previously in NXT. So them in it's great. The New Day in it's great. Undisputed Era, who works really well with the Viking Raiders, is great. Um I think Kofi needs this win. I'd like to see Kofi win against whoever and pin them. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe uh, O'Reilly and Fish get the win. I just think that if you give Kofi it, it's a – I think that's, that, that's good for him. Uh, outside of the, uh, the Survivor Series match, we also have a pretty interesting match, Chris, that we don't really – it's kind of hard to predict, but I'm going to anyways, with Adam Cole, who's the NXT champion, getting to, uh, you know uh, – have his belt on the line at Survivor Series, which is pretty awesome, against whoever wins at TakeOver. So this is kind of kind of be my prediction before we go over TakeOver, but it's between Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, and Killian Dane. I think that I think it's going to be awesome, but I think that we're going to have Pete Dunne going against Adam Cole on Survivor Series, and I think that Adam Cole is going to win, but it's going to be a really awesome showing of Pete Dunne and all the fucking cool shit that he does. Uh, so that's what I have for those two matches. What do you have for the triple threat tag match between the champions of all the brands? And who do you think is going to be going against Adam Cole between those three wrestlers of whoever's going to win tonight at TakeOver? And who do you think is going to, you know, who's going to win inevitably in your scenario for the NXT Championship? I, I think you're spot on with Pete Dunne. I, I feel like that's where they're going to be going. Um and, you know, him and Adam Cole have fucking a banger of a match. Uh, it actually makes a lot of sense with them going with Pete Dunne uh, because 
it's hard. It's really hard to follow up Gargano Cole. So you need someone that's that damn good. And Pete Dunne is that damn good, as he's shown with uh, Tyler Bates in the past and some of the other matches he's had. And they're going to want that to be like a highlight. So um, that that would be where I would go as well. Um, it's really the the whole storyline with uh, Killian Dane has been a bit weird. I just don't I just don't see him as a contender for the for the title necessarily. I, he's a fine monster, but I don't see him as someone that should be looked at as a legitimate threat. I mean, you could do the thing where Pete Dunne is basically broken because of that match, and Killian Dane's almost killed him or whatever, and then now Adam Cole has a leg up. So you could do that and then set up the rematch. I'm assuming that's probably where they're going to go. Uh, as far as the triple threat tag match, I agree with you. It has potential to be absolutely amazing. I hope that they don't give them like eight minutes, though. <laughs> That's the problem with these triple threat tag matches. Yep. Um, oh, this one's hard to hard to gauge. I'm gonna say AOP gets involved somehow, and the New Day wins. And they're setting up Viking Raiders versus AOP. I like that. I definitely think that that has potential of happening. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. See, the whole thing is, man, they are putting some of these guys, especially Adam Cole, through a lot of, of fucking destruction the night before. Well, tonight, I should say, uh, for the pay-per-view tomorrow. So uh, it'll be crazy to see uh, inevitably what happens, but I would love Adam Cole and Pete Dunne. What a strong showing for NXT, though, if they get a, a couple big wins and then Adam Cole and Pete Dunne have a banger at it that is a better is a better match potentially than the two championship matches they have other than that. You know, that's it's going to be interesting. Uh, but let's go over the elimination matches, which are the most clusterfuck of clusterfucks. Uh, <laughs> I just don't understand. When they started Survivor Series for the longest time, it was four on four. Then they decided to go five on five, and I don't understand why they put the extra person in there. It was already ridiculous with four on four. Uh, so this is going to be five on five on five. Uh, people are not going to be even beyond the apron. Like, how do you even get thrown outside? Can can people even do suicide dives in this? Like, all right, so we have Team Raw led by Seth Rollins with Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Ricochet going against Team SmackDown, which is Roman Reigns, Mustafa Ali, Braun Strowman, King Corbin, and Chad Gable. Fuck Shorty G. And then Team NXT, which we don't know exactly who's on that team, but I'm going to assume they're going to use who wins at War Games, which I think the good guys were. Basically, I think it's going to be Keith Lee, Dominic uh, Dejakovic, uh, and whoever the fuck else is on that team. But whoever wins in War Games, which I don't think Undisputed Era is going to win, specifically for this, they're going to move on as the Survivor Series team. And we're going to see a lot of awesome stuff like Keith Lee and Braun Strowman go at it, Seth Rollins against uh, whatchamacallit, Roman Reigns, more of those type of highlights of what happened. SmackDown's not going to win. Uh, There's too much dissension between Reigns and and, uh, Baron Corbin that I think that's going to affect it. Uh, I, I really feel like they're either going to piss off the fans by letting Seth Rollins win or it's going to be NXT that's going to get the win, maybe with Matt Riddle uh, pinning someone. I would love the ending to come down to Roman Reigns, Matt Riddle, and Seth Rollins. I think that would be a good way to have it with all the eliminations. 
But uh, it's going to be fucking crazy for them to organize this. They're, it's going to be a lot of spots. Randy Orton is going to get a RKO probably, like, I don't know, like somewhere fucking crazy. And it could also be potentially the worst match on the fucking show or the women's match. It doesn't really matter <laughs> if it's men or women at this matter. You have 15 fucking people in one match. Elimination. So everyone has to get eliminated before it's down to the last three. Or whoever, you know, they might have more than others. It's it's ridiculous. So there could also be some involvement in Triple H. Who knows? Maybe maybe Shane does come back to fucking interfere. It, it's all over the place. But I'm going to say Seth Rollins is going to win because I just feel like WWE likes to tell us to fuck off sometimes. Chris, who do you think is going to win this match? Man, I'm I'm going to go with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is going to win this match. I think it's going to – I think they're going to do something to get Braun out of this very quickly with two people attacking him at one time. He's probably going to get RKO'd. Um, there's going to be a fuck ton of standing around in this match and people laying on the ground. And when you talked about suicide dives, there's going to do – you know they're going to do the spot where, like, Mustafa Ali hits a suicide dive and then right after Ricochet hits a suicide dive and then like Shorty G does the moonsault like there's going to be three of those but it's fine because there's at least ten people to catch them so (laughs) they'll start that out at the beginning of the match I'm assuming just because there'll be like mass bodies to catch them it's probably the safest dives we're going to see all night just because there's going to be like 40 dudes to catch everyone Um, it's like a stage dive at that point um, yeah, I'm just going to go Kevin Owens and maybe they'll build that into, uh, I, I think they're going they're gonna to do something with Kevin Owens with NXT and try to build around that. Um, so maybe like it, like you said, Triple H does get involved. You know, Kevin Owens is one of the last people left. Triple H is like, let's turn on this one guy and then beat him. Or whatever, and then you just take the you take the pin. I don't know. I feel like they're gonna do something weird, but for whatever reason, Kevin Owens' name is sticking out to me here. Um, it could be something where Seth Rollins is about to win, and then Kevin Owens just gives them a stunner. It could be something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like you're, I feel like your pick for Seth. Uh, to me, it's either going to be Seth or Kevin Owens. It just depends on what they're doing with Kevin Owens. I think it's too soon for another heel turn for Kevin Owens, but I'm I could easily see it happening. That's the interesting part is KO's involvement with Team Raw, uh, us not knowing the NXT team, the potential of Kevin Owens being that other person at Takeover that might happen tonight. We don't know for the uh, War Games match. There's a lot of what ifs because of that, or. You know, them calling out KO maybe the next life for his loyalty. He says, don't worry about it. Fucks over Seth, goes over to NXT, and KO's still perceived as a baby face because he's he's going to be – he's going to NXT, basically. There's a lot of stuff like that. I, that's a good point. It's uh, very interesting. The women's match kind of has a lot of questions on it as well with the NXT team. Once again, though, I think that the women's uh, team is going to be the one that wins at War Games, and I think ultimately it's going to be Rhea Ripley's team along with Tegan Knox, Tony Storm is who I'm guessing, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, uh, and they'll be the one presented at Survivor Series. But the women's, uh, led by Charlotte, will be Natalia, her, Asuka, Carrie Sane, and Sarah Logan, going against Sasha <laughs> Banks with Carmella 
Dana Brooks, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. Uh, it's uh, I, I feel like I feel like Team Raw should win uh, with with Charlotte, but who knows? Maybe Team NXT ends up getting it. I have no idea. If they have more between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte, because visually a lot of people see a potential in that match, we might get down to the two of them. I have no idea. Uh, it's just it's interesting with certain choices. I think that your laugh was probably about Sarah Logan, which I know they've been building her on main event, but she's tough, but seems out of place in this. I'll definitely agree with you on that. But Nikki Cross is another I mean, element in this that's very interesting. So what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple people out of place in this match, which is just like, you know, Carmella and Dana Brooke randomly added. I love Dana Brooke, but, oh, like, this is supposed to be – if you look at Team Raw, they should win, but they're also setting up for that tag match with Charlotte Flair and Natalia versus Asuka and Kerry Zane. So I feel like that's going to – that's going to be the term, the determining factor there. Like, they're going to end up fucking each other over. Because if you remember, two weeks ago, Natalia put – Oscar and Sharpshooter and just beat her clean in the center of the ring. So I'm assuming there's going to be something that happens there that causes Team Raw to to lose. I guess my thing with like I have nothing against Sarah Logan. I just don't remember any build of her at all. She just kind of was just like the name that's randomly here. There's um, been none. Like with Nikki. Yeah, and with Nikki Cross, like she had to like win her way into this match. Like some of this is like a clusterfuck. Like if you're going to have people have to win their way onto a team to defend their brand when there is no actual reward, I'm going to need a fucking really good storyline behind that. Um, I, I think Sasha is going to end up being the last person standing in this match. So I'm going to go with Sasha. Um, but you know, I could be wrong. It could be Lacey Evans. (laughs) Um, but I feel like they're going to want to try to rebuild Sasha. <laughs> I feel like they're trying. To, they're going to try to rebuild Sasha. They need her to have a strong win, and this is one where they can say, you know, Charlotte, Natalya, Oscar, Carrie Zane, that team stacked versus the NXT team, the NXT team, which will also be stacked. But there's dissension there already between both of those teams. So this might be the only match that SmackDown wins the entire night, which I would not be surprised by, but I'm, I'm going to say Sasha ends up getting the win here. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, NXT this week. That kind of really ties into this a lot more. Um, and also we'll go over the uh, predictions for TakeOver afterwards for tonight's show that I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Becky Lynch opened the show, uh, responding to Triple H's open invitation. Uh, she came out, insulted Bailey, said that she looked like Oh, what did she say? She looked like a baby teenager with an old lady haircut. Um, and then called and called out Shayna Baszler. Uh, yeah, my God. I, I really, I do love Becky on the mic. I like that she was getting booed. She was definitely getting booed. Not as bad as her significant other later on in the night. But, you know, the audience came around and she didn't really give a shit. She, I think she showed good demeanor. I like that she wants Shayna, but Shayna won't answer to her because that's Shayna. She's a she's a heel. She does what she wants when she wants. Instead, we had her and Rhea Ripley square off. I think Rhea Ripley has infinite potential. Her and Bianca Belair are going to be huge one day, and I think they're they're building Rhea especially in a very very big way. And I really honestly think that Rhea is going to take that title off of Shayna, inevitably. But uh, their match was good. 
but it ended in no contest because uh, Shayna Baszler, Jasmine Duke, and Marina Shafir attacked both women. Um, basically, the two of them ran to run them off, but uh, it was uh, it was interesting. I liked the match between the two of them before it got screwed over, but you're going to see a lot of this where tonight – the reason why NXT won the ratings wars between AEW is they packed it full of cameos, if you will. It was it was very much uh, a lot of cameo-driven stuff to get this, but still a pretty damn good show to uh, you know to give it to them as well. But uh, how'd you like this opening, and how'd you like the match between Becky and Rhea? I liked the match. I thought it was a pretty pretty good opening. Um... <laughs> Becky just roasted Bailey. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> she does look like a baby with an old lady's haircut. It's so true. That's why it's so fun. <laughs> um <laughs> uh I, I liked the match a lot. I thought it was pretty good. It made sense to end in no contest and uh you know two baby faces running off the heels. Completely fine with it. it, it everything about that made sense. Surprisingly, with with main event roster being involved, I guess Triple H had the reins of the show still because it, it this made sense. So it's fine. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. <laughs> Along with uh, <laughs> coming up with that 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 gripping ending uh, beforehand, I also placed a lot of uh, arrangement in this. Uh, along with Sean, who was there mumbling and saying, uh, you know, my goodness, for some fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> let's keep. Poor Kona Reeves, man. My God. Kona Reeves is to uh, NXT. What? Her, him and Aaliyah are like how Hawkins and Ryder are treated on Raw, basically. Uh, so Kona Reeves is going to have a match with Matt Riddle, and the finest got annihilated by Ricochet. And uh, Matt Riddle came out, <laughs> and one more impromptu, fuck it, let's do a match style thing. And it was like, and I'm like, holy shit, we're going to get – Matt Riddle and Ricochet in a match, and uh, we did. And one thing that was awesome about it, it did have interference, and it might have been a little bit of the reason why Matt Riddle got the pin over Ricochet, but it still was a complete match. I thought they had an awesome match. But anyways, it ended with Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura uh, coming in and causing a distraction on the apron. Riddle got a roll-up, like I said, on Ricochet and pinned him. After the match, Cesaro and Nakamura attacked both men. Nakamura tried to hit Riddle with a Kinshasa, but Roderick Strong intercepted it with a knee of his own. Riddle knocked down Strong, and Finn Balor run ran in to attack Matt Riddle. There, this is what I'm talking about. When you have all these guys coming out, if you, you, if you do something like this and it, it's time-coordinated correctly, you bring out so much in the actual storylines, and it makes sense, and the audience loves it and gets more enthused by who's coming out as opposed to everyone fucking coming out and just swarm in the place, and no one knows what the hell's going on. So uh, I really enjoyed this. I, I'm glad that Shinsuke got a lot of uh, love from the crowd. It, everyone at Fast NXT, for the most part, got a lot of love from the crowd, outside of Seth and Becky, basically. And I liked also that they chose everyone that invaded was past NXT. You didn't see Randy Orton at this. You didn't see Braun Strowman. You literally saw alumni from NXT representing Raw SmackDown, which was another smart thing by them, I think, for this show. Chris, what did you think about the Matt Riddle-Ricochet match? I loved it, by the way. I, I loved the match. I thought it was great. I'm just confused on where Cesaro fits in. Like, why the hell is he there? Because he's not even he's, on Survivor I guess, 
I, well, it's it's because I guess Cesaro is a part of Sammy's group. I don't even know. He wasn't there last night, so it doesn't make much sense either. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's my problem is they haven't done a good job of telling us why Cesaro would give a fuck, um, especially because he's not even – I mean, at least with the other people, you're like, oh, well, they're on the pay-per-view, so at least it makes sense. But with Cesaro, it was kind of random. I mean, I love Cesaro, so I'm glad he was there. I'm just trying to figure out why he was there. Uh, outside of that, everything about this was pretty awesome. And Riddle looks strong, um, which they need him to be because he's, like you said, War Games is tonight, and I think he is going to end up uh, being one of the final contenders there. So, yeah, I liked everything about this. I, I still have no idea what they're doing with Ricochet. I don't know if I would have put Ricochet here to take a take loss. I, I think you could probably done someone else, but, um, yeah, it is what it is. The, the dropkick he put on, uh, God, what is his name, at the beginning of the match? Uh, Conor Reeves? Yeah, that was a really shitty-looking dropkick. I'll say that. <laughs> it looks really bad. I know it's supposed to be out of nowhere, but it looks really bad. Outside of that, everything about the match was pretty good and made sense going forward. I'm still confused on why Cesaro and Nakamura are teaming up with, you know, uh, a Japanese wrestler, a European wrestler, and a Canadian. <laughs> I guess that's the new heel team. But, United Nations uh, Part yeah. 2, led by Sami Zayn. <laughs> that's not, I mean, if they gave them some kind of gimmick like that, I would just be like, okay, they're a mid-card heel team. I, I, at least they would have, like, a reason why Cesaro is at, at this event. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I forgot who Sammy went off on last night and challenged him and told him to fuck off, basically. I thought it was really cool to see Sammy with an edge uh, before they didn't do anything with him for a match, but whatever. Uh, anyways, oh, were you trying to say something? I'm sorry. No, sir, you're good. Oh, okay. Well, uh, this, I I feel like, I'm looking at the rest of it. I, I, uh, I love the ladder match, but I think this might be match of the night for me personally. Uh, Undisputed Era going against Revival. Uh, I like that Revival got such a pop, and it looked like, uh, not Scott Dawson, but, um, oh, man, I can't remember uh, Scott's partner's name right now off the top of my head. Uh, But he kind of got it, like, emotional, it looked like, a little bit choked up a bit. But uh, it was good having those guys back. Um, And I like the dichotomy of the Undisputed Era, even though they do some type of high-flying, or Bobby Fish will from time to time, they're much more of a grounded uh, newer age version of a tough guy tag team, basically. Obviously, they're a lot lankier, but they go for MMA-based stuff as opposed to the old-school concept of much more rough wrestling-like grappling that kind of, you know, the revival uh, uh, does. And these guys beat the living fuck out of each other. Like, they were – it was definitely a bit stiff, especially from the revival – uh, I thought it was a good performance by both of them. They utilized a lot of wrestling. They didn't do a lot of stuff outside of that. N- nothing. The spots weren't too crazy or anything like that. Just a lot of aggressive fighting that's not the prettiest, which I think is the Revival's thing. But ultimately, they lost from the high-low on Scott Dawson. And uh, another group, it's like, if you're not doing shit with them, man, I mean, fuck. I don't know. I mean, I know they just were the champs, but I'm just saying – I mean, I would love to see them in Undisputed Era in an actual, like, uh, series of matches. But I did enjoy this. Uh, it wasn't, like, the greatest match of all time or anything like that. But it was a fun tag match. I'll just put it as that. Chris, what did you think about this match? 
I thought it was a really good match. It, uh, I liked the latter match the best of the night. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there. This match just went a little long for me, but I thought it was really, really good. Uh, there was nothing in it that was like, oh, this sucks. Uh, no, it was a really good match. Like you said, very strong striking for sure. There was a spot at the beginning where they did some double reversals that felt felt kind of cheesy, but outside of that, everything else in the match was pretty awesome. The rival's pretty good. I'm still not I'm not as high on them as everybody else is. Like, I just don't see it, I guess. Um, I think they're they're good, but, I, you know, the Undisputed Era as a tag team, I think, is actually better. So I, I just I don't get the, the love for the Revival as much as other people, I guess. I, I don't know. I know they're doing the old school gimmick, but it's to me they're just not as good as some of the other tag teams that are in WWE but they're considered the best tag team in WWE. Like, for instance, Anderson and Gallows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the best tag teams in that company. Um, and I also think, so, like, when you're talking about New Day. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there's just something more about those tag teams that they give them a little bit. As opposed to the Revival, I think they're just good wrestlers. Uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I don't see them as like this top-tier god tag team like a lot of other people do. Um, what I will say is like this is where the brand split really hurts WWE because they could have like the greatest tag division of all time if you just had to defend one set of titles across all brands with your tag team division. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, and, and that's fair enough. I, I definitely get what you're saying. I think that's what it is, is that they're ultimately a throwback. But, you know, I would like to think that I've been listening a lot to uh, Arn Anderson's uh, uh, podcast as of lately with uh, Conrad Thompson, and he really put over the revival because he was their agent um, while he was still there, right when they first started, and he was a big fan of their style. Obviously, Arn's probably going to be drawn to a style that's based off of what he used to do, uh, but, you know, I, I, I just think that they kind of represent that old school style, but all around there are better tag teams. I would say, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade at the revival, but I would put Undisputed Era or Red Dragon, whatever you want to call them ahead of them. I would put Usos. I would put New Day. I would put, uh, like you said, the club, uh, but still they're good yeah, at I what mean, they do. And, and and when it comes to a hard hitting fight that doesn't look as pretty or as even dare I say choreographed, they're good at making it look like a bar fight, if you will, between two teams. And I like yeah. their tag team awareness. I think that's one thing that they have that a lot of tag teams kind of neglect. I'll just put it that way. Oh, but that's well, but one thing before I give it back to you. That fucking superplex spot they do a lot of times where they go over the top ropes, that scares the shit out of me. I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. i got to be honest with you. <laughs> I can see that being scary. Uh I would just say, you know, the club is also an old-school tag team that has that feel to them, and they get zero credit for it, and it makes absolutely no sense because they basically kind of work the same style. The only difference yeah. is they have, like, a big bruiser and, you know, in Gallows, and Anderson is more of the, uh, the I guess, the Dawson of the group if we're comparing them to the Revival. But they're also really good with their tag awareness as well. I just – like, out of the tag teams in that company, I'm still surprised how Anderson and Gallows aren't the top tag team there and have been the top. They should have been the top tag team as soon as they walked into that business because, like, you go back and watch their New Japan stuff, it's absolutely ridiculous. 
Oh, yeah. And to kind of finish it up, Arn also talks a lot of good things about Gallows and Anderson. I don't know if he was their uh, agent, but he definitely really likes Carl Anderson. Apparently, Carl Anderson asked him if he cared that he used the Anderson lineage, and he's like, dude, I don't give a shit. I fucking took it from, you know, the guys before me uh, with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew when I was in their group. I wasn't a fucking Anderson. So he really <laughs> loves Carl Anderson and says that Luke Gallows is great, but Carl has a lot of potential by himself that we've definitely seen in New Japan that we, ha- we, we have not seen over here as in WWE. So uh, that's, that's definitely telling when a legend like that that's very humble – Arn, like Sting and a couple other guys, is not so fucking full of himself. You know, it's it's good to hear him praise uh, certain talents. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, I love Arn. It's hard not to love old Arn. Hey, man, you know, he's got a voice kind of mellow and stuff. Uh, all right, we had Kaylee Ray going against uh, Dakota Kai. This is actually a good match. I'm just – I'll put these two matches together. I thought that Kaylee Ray had a really good match with Dakota Kai. And I think that the Viking Raiders had a good match with the Forgotten Sons. I don't know where the fuck that's been. Uh, but the only problem is I felt like this was a lull period. NXT still won the ratings, but not by much. And I don't think this segment really helped. I kind of would have just gone with the theme of overdoing it with people coming out, honestly, at this point. Because you kind of already committed. But they were still good wrestling matches. Just not a lot of build up. They're trying to show off Kaylee Ray because she's the UK champion and she's part of the heel team. I get that. And uh, Dakota Kai kind of going down this ladder that I think is going to inevitably turn her heel where she keeps on taking being uh, taken down a peg. But it ended, you know, with this abrupt stuff between all the women coming in and uh, Nikki Cross, I think, making the biggest reception with the crowd, having her return. And I, I'm really happy for Nikki, man. She never got the title in NXT, but it seems like she's getting a great treatment of kind of being like a female Mick Foley almost within the ranks of the ladies uh, over on uh, SmackDown. So her her return was great. And the Viking experience is what took out Stephen Cutler, Forgotten Sons lost. If you want to get the Forgotten Sons over, do more matches like this, but just don't do it now. You know, Viking Raiders and AOP could have <laughs> fucking gone at it. You're not. Uh, the answer to getting the Forgotten Sons over is to forget that they're the Forgotten Sons and just put yeah. them in, in yeah, all of their exactly. matches, separate it, them from these yeah. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. And the fact that you had Tyler Breeze beat uh, Gunner not too long ago, and I love Tyler Breeze, that, that's not fucking helping him. If he's supposed to be the Terminator, that's what Triple H told him, put Riker, Gunner, whatever you call him, up there. Elevate him. And no offense to the other two dudes, but if you're not going to do this from the beginning and give us these awesome fucking matches, they're, they're going to be forgotten. But uh, what do you think about these two matches, Chris? Um, I, yeah, it seems like they're gearing Dakota Kai either to have a heel run or they're trying to make her into a Daniel Bryan, uh, as far as like giving a, a hard losing streak and turning everyone against her, essentially. Uh, the Carmella thing with the moonwalk, like, I don't want to see that shit on NXT. I just don't. Like, is, it, is it not distracting? <laughs> It's very fucking distracting. It's not a good way. Um, but outside of that, Nikki Cross did look strong. It made me really sad that what was her group Sanity? Yeah, like, with her and and Eric Young and Killian Dane. It just made me sad that they weren't still together. Like honestly, I'm like, why did they move them off NXT? They were awesome. Feels so bad for Eric Young out of all of them. 
Yeah, Eric Young is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, imagine him and Daniel uh, Bryan in a in a uh, a series of matches, like a storyline. Yeah, they have a lot in common. I hope. I hope his I hope his contract is is up soon. Uh, he I know he'll make less money, but he is like the perfect guy for NWA, like to go to NWA Power, and absolutely. And with those guys, like he'd be fucking phenomenal there, and I, I feel like that's like kind of where he needs to be. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent about Eric Young. I just think he's fucking great. They've done dick all with him, so it's a little upsetting. Uh, as far as the Forgotten Sons, I mean, this it, it, the the idea was to make the Viking Raiders look strong. Forgotten Sons have got like four or five losses in the past two months, so I had no problem with this at all. I would just say, like, split that group up and do something with Gunner because Gunner was pretty good in TNA, and uh, he's a former NWA champion. I watched him in Atlanta go against Colt Cabana for the title. It was a fucking great match. I know the guys, out of these dudes, he is the one that, like, shines, and the rest of the Forgotten Sons are are kind of like that TNA gimmick, uh, Aces of Eights, slash... um, I'm trying to think of what it would be. Sons of Anarchy kind of thing. I just don't – I don't think anyone cares about biker gangs anymore, basically. <laughs> Unless Taker's going to join them. I don't see that shit ever getting over. Yeah, I unfortunately have to agree with you on that. I mean, it's just not going to work out. I think that there's one star in them, and he's not the one wrestling. So uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um so we had the latter match uh, for who has the advantage between Adam Cole and Dominic uh, Dijakovic. My God, another time where these guys beat the shit out of each other. By the end, I really was worried about Dominic. He looked like he got fucked up. Uh, he was, I don't know if he was just selling, but he was favoring his leg. And it was right before he went through the ladder uh, before Adam Cole won. And uh, that was a great <laughs> sequence. Uh, Cole took the briefcase and just smacked him in the face a couple times. And he just friggin' fell off. Uh, great, great match to do to to the guys that are going to be involved in a fucking War Games match, and then followed by a Survivor Series match the next night, or in Adam Cole's case, a fucking singles match. Uh, but just vicious. Uh, the one, the one with the week before with Io Shirai and and Mia Yim was way more aggressive, I think, uh, than this one. But still, just these guys just beat the shit out of each other. Um, yeah, I'm trying to like look over some of the stuff before we go to the ending where Undisputed Era came out. Yeah, if you remember any highlights, it's been since uh, Wednesday since I saw this, but uh, I remember this just being very violent and me being worried about both guys afterwards, like every ladder match. But Undisputed Era came down to the ring to celebrate, but were surrounded by Raw and SmackDown stars. They got beaten up until the locker room emptied out, leading to a huge brawl. This is another one where NXT just gave us sequences and a lot of, like, cool, like, moments that Raw and SmackDown kind of forgot about with a lot of these things. But uh, basically what happened is Linda Bra, Drew McIntyre snuck in and Claymored uh, Dijakovic. Keith Lee entered the ring and spirit-bombed McIntyre. Lee and Ivar of the Viking Raiders did a simultaneously dive, fucking Keith Lee doing his tope over the ropes, while uh, whatchamacallit, Ivar did his uh, his his spear. I, I would never want to catch the two of them. That would be fucking just scary. There's two giant dudes running at it. Anyways, uh, they both had simultaneous <laughs> leaving Adam Cole uh, as the last man standing until Seth Rollins snuck in the ring, super kicked Cole, and then him and Tommaso Ciampa 
have their stare down. So obviously Ciampa, I think, is going to be on the Survivor Series team because we have some more stuff to do with that. Uh, Ciampa walked in the ring, hit a running knee on Cole, and brawled with Rollins. I thought it was a really good way to send off NXT, and I thought it was a really fun tag match. Chris, what would you think? Well, before I get into the actual match itself, the curb stomp is dead, right? I hope so. Just start doing the pedigree. Like setting, I mean, you can do it as a yeah. signature, but that's about it. I mean, setting up the curb stomp at this point, it's <laughs> they've killed the move. <laughs> they've killed it. It's dead. He should get something new. Um, I would say he shouldn't be doing the V-trigger. Like, just anything make make like his phoenix splash really great and make that his finisher or something i don't know um or give him a the muscle bomb more like, yeah, yeah well i don't want him to kill sting again um <laughs> uh, great I, documentary I, by the I, way I, on the network uh of untold with sting and uh seth rollins match I definitely recommend checking it out it's 30 minutes long anyway sorry <laughs> i really enjoyed this uh the ladder match i thought it was very good um like you said, it didn't seem as crazy as last week's, but I think that's just because the quality of wrestlers that were in this one were a lot better. They did a good job of taking care of each other, I'll say that. Dajakovic did take that nasty bump uh, towards the end, but it's a ladder match. There's going to be one of those, you know. Uh, this is probably why Kevin Owens wasn't on the show, because anytime there's a ladder around, he's got to do some kind of crazy shit and almost die. So... <laughs> That's probably why he wasn't there. To me, it would have made more sense with the way they set up Raw for Kevin Owens to be the guy at the end that hits Cole with a stunner. And that kind of – and because they didn't do that, points that they're going to do with something with Kevin Owens and Adam Cole. Now, I mean, that's what I'm thinking, or something with Kevin Owens in general in NXT. So if you want to draw a conclusion out of something um, – the fact that Kevin Owens wasn't the guy to hit the stunner here, that points to he, he's going to be screwing over someone on his team uh, at this pay-per-view, which we talked about in the, the Survivor Series previews. But, like, overall, I like this match a lot. I thought it was very, very good. There was a lot of really good wrestling on this show, um, and it flowed pretty well. But because there was a ton of run-ins, I don't know that I can put it above what we're about to talk about with AEW. Yep, uh, before we go into AEW, let's go over these four matches announced for tonight. I don't know if there's going to be more added, but, um, you know, NXT TakeOvers, they only usually have a couple matches so they can actually flesh out the fucking things and not give us six hours of wrestling to watch. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, God forbid yeah. we just have four good matches as opposed to 700 shitty ones. Goddamn. All right, so we have the number one contender match. We kind of went into this. Uh, winner faces Adam Cole at Survivor Series for the NXT title. Pete Dunn, Killian Dane, Damian Priest. By the way, Damian Priest, you know, just knowing that uh, Scott Hall's been over at the, uh, you know, helping out the big guys, apparently, I feel like they're trying to force Damian to kind of be like a Razor Ramon style character now instead of being so gothic how he's come off in his, like, promos and how he's using the, uh, the Razor's Edge, which is an awesome finisher. I don't know why people don't fucking use that. Um, but instead, he's still doing the crossroads as his main finisher. I don't know. I just wanted to make that little statement. But uh, Pete Dunn, I believe, is going to win this match. Chris, who do you have? I think you said Pete Dunn, too. Yeah, I have Pete Dunn winning this match. I agree with you. Like, people should do that move, uh, the, the Razor's Edge or the Waterfall, as it's called in other places, I guess. But I I think that 
WWE is legitimately scared that someone's going to get dropped on their neck and because Sheamus did that a while for a while, it was called like the crucifix, and then they were like, "Yeah, stop doing that." So I think, but I mean, that's a great fucking finisher. Someone should be doing it because it's awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, you could even go the WCW route. That when Scott Hall started doing it there, he just literally just tossed them like a power bomb up in the air, as opposed to actually sliding them down on their neck. But yeah, that's a it's a great fucking move. Uh, Damian Priest, I just fucked the name, dude. <laughs> It's so terrible. It's like it's like a fucking creative character wrestling wrestler when I was like twelve and I wanted to make an Undertaker character. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm gonna name him Damien because of the devil, but also a priest. So you don't know if he's good or bad, but he's actually a priest of the devil. And he comes out the maiden and shit. <laughs> like, yeah. so bad. And it, it's not like punishment, uh, punishment Martinez is much better, but they probably could have figured out a, uh, a better name than Damian Priest. Um, Matt Riddle and Finn Balor, Chris, I think this could be match. Well, I don't want to see match tonight, but, like, it's the only singles match in this thing because, you know, war games, both of them might be great, but there's going to be a lot of craziness. And I think that three-way is going to be awesome. But Matt Riddle and Finn Balor could have the match of the night, I think. And I think that Finn Balor has to win this match or his credibility is going to be shot unless there's some type of fuckery, maybe interference with the club. I don't know. Uh, but I think this could be the the, the best match uh, tonight. And I'm going to give it to Finn. What do you think? Oh, man, I just, it's one of those things where I want it to be the best match of the night, but I don't think it can be because Riddle's, you have to do some kind of fuck finish because you need Matt Riddle to look strong. Because he's gonna he's gonna yeah. be on Survivor Series, right? So you, that one's tough. Um, I'm assuming the club jumps him, and then you set up a Bullet Club thing. Because otherwise, I don't think they necessarily want Matt Riddle losing to Finn Balor right now. I mean, I know they want Finn to look strong, but he's also a heel. Whereas Matt Riddle is kind of their top baby face at the moment. I guess behind Champa, which is Champa a baby face? That's a different question for a different day, but. Um, I mean, those are their two top guys. So you don't really need Riddle losing. I mean, until Velveteen can come back, which obviously he's not able to come back here. So, uh, fuck, this one's hard. I'm going to go with Riddle because of a DQ. So he's not actually winning. He just gets jumped by the club or something. Or maybe a new group that Finn forms or something. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. All right, well, we'll get to the uh, first War Games match uh, that I have listed with Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae going against Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray. That's right. They actually do have everything done. I thought there was someone missing. Oh, that's right. The one that's missing is on the Survivor Series. See, this is the thing that's so fucking confusing. Um, well, anyway, I mean, the big thing with this match, the big thing with this match was Dakota Kai, right? So she lost, yeah. and then they kicked her off the team. So that's the storyline. So took, we're, we're assuming that something is going to happen with Dakota Kai, right? I hope it's somehow – I mean, she could cause the loss to the ladies, but I really feel like it's going to end up being Rhea Ripley pinning uh, Shayna Baszler uh, to cause something going forward between the two of them. And for <sighs> that to be the reason why the women's team moves on to Survivor Series – as opposed to the heels team, because 
you know, Shane was already involved in the match, so it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, but, you know, whatever it be, whatever it happens with Shayna losing, it's not really all her fault for taking a pin because it's this team match and there could be a collective amount of reasons. So, yeah, I would actually give it to uh, Rhea Ripley's strong win over Shayna Baszler. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just saying. Chris, what do you think? Well, I, I'm going to say maybe Tegan Knox gets the win because she's got an unfair advantage with the shiniest wizard and giant fucking leg brace. Jesus Christ. Shiniest How is the metal cool? coming out of her brace. <laughs> no, all, all jokes aside, um, I'm going to go with Io Shirai gets the win. And then now you have a setup for Shayna having to wrestle two matches, and then you just put the Becky match later on in the show, and you can keep Shayna looking strong, but she's already worn down from that match. So that's the idea. Whoever wins this is the team that's going to represent the NXT, right? Well, I would assume. It hasn't been 100% confirmed, but, I mean, what what else? <laughs> How else are they going to fucking do this, you know? I mean, okay, so you could do – Shayna wins this match to look strong, but she can't wrestle it because she has the triple threat match, and then Dakota Kai is their partner, and you just have a heel turn. Because that seems like what they've been building towards. For whatever reason, I mean, I just don't see them letting... I mean, I know they're building Rhea and, and Tegan Knox, but like when you look at this female tag team of Baszler, Io, and Bianca Belair, you're like, you really want them all three to take a loss at the same time kind of thing. But yeah. Hell, I could be wrong. Rhea getting a clean pin on over Shayna as far as NXT storyline goes makes a lot of sense. But just because that she's in that match with Becky, you're just like, ah, fuck, I, I'm assuming that she should win. And they're not going to do too many fuckery finishes because it is NXT. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go. I, I, I'm going to go with Shayna's team. Yeah, who knows? It, it kind of reminds me of well, uh, two ma- two moments involving Seth Rollins where he lost to Randy Orton but came out and won at WrestleMania uh, with uh, the fucking um, uh, what the hell is it called? The Money in the Bank, or when he lost to John Cena for the U.S. title and then beat Sting. Uh, weird that we're talking about that again, but what I'm trying to say is, since that was fresh in my head, WWE has a thing about well, Shayna might lose one night, but then she could be the fucking one that wins it on Survivor Series. You know, I mean that's. Well, well, I don't Vince has they don't really about care. That. I don't. I mean, Vince has yeah. a thing about that. I don't necessarily know that Triple H has a thing about that. I will say now that you brought it up, that is one of the greatest RKOs of all time, where he goes up to do that curb stomp and he's like a hundred thousand feet in the air. <laughs> and Norton's like, nope, RKO, get fucked. It's the best. Jesus Christ, I love it. <laughs> all right, so then the men's one, we have the bam, 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 undisputed air going against Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee. Dominic Dijakovic, and we don't know. Could it be Kevin Owens? Could be. Could it be, uh, whatchamacallit, Mr. Uh, Johnny um, Johnny uh, Takeover? It's, well, oh, shit, we can't do that because we already have a Johnny Takeover. Uh, whatever. Johnny Impact. You know, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Impact. Name. Johnny Gimmick <laughs> name. Um, or maybe, maybe, you know, he's been cleared for this, and Velveteen Dream is the extra opponent and then they win, and they move on, and Velveteen Dream makes his first debut at Survivor Series. Could be a lot of those type of people. It could be none of them. Who knows? But uh, they're going uh, They're going to have a match. I think that, man, I, I, Adam Cole 
it's like, what do you have happen? Do you have the Undisputed Era who all have championship, ma- or not championship, but matches at Survivor Series the next night? All big matches, them lose? Or do you let Tommaso Ciampa get a win over someone to kind of progress him? Because I don't think Keith Lee and, and Dijakovic or Riddle, or maybe if it's Kevin Owens, he gets a win. So it's, it's, it's hard to figure out. But I'm going to go against the Undisputed Era and say that this team will advance somehow, and then that will leave, if, if, especially if Kevin Owens is involved, something like that. Or KO fucks everyone else over and joins the Undisputed Era. That's also an option as well. Maybe he's the last one after, oh, my God, Kevin Owens is here? He's the last one to come out and pulls a Roderick Strong. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, scenarios. But it makes sense for Undisputed Era to win, but for some reason I can't get past uh, rooting for the baby faces for a lot of reasons. Chris, what do you have? Well, I mean, I obviously, as far as who I'm going to be cheering for, it's going to be Ciampa's team, I mean, Ciampa and Keith Lee. I mean, you – you got to. They're the good guys, right? Like when you're in the crowd, you should be cheered for the good guys. But I, I think you have you made a, a very good point. I don't I don't think it matters who is in this TBD spot unless it's Velveteen Dream. If it's Velveteen Dream, which I, I'm pretty sure he's still injured, or they'd be promoting him harder for this match. Um, if it's not him, then this is going to be a heel turn for someone. So with Kevin Owens, it kind of I'm assuming either Kevin Owens or Johnny Impact. Either way, um, maybe they have some kind of beef with Ciampa that we're not aware of. So uh, I'm assuming that Ciampa is going to get fucked over by somebody in Undisputed Era gets the win because you need them to look strong in Survivor Series. Yeah, it's weird well, that they decided be- to do these two these two back to back the way that they did. Um, with all these multiple ma- multiple men matches two nights in a row, I feel like your diehard fans are going to be really tired of these five versus five matches even before Survivor Series starts. So as far as like WWE goes, I think you should have tried to plan this better. Like maybe a month apart between the two instead of back-to-back. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm very much looking forward to tonight in general. Uh, but let's let's leave the land of NXT and go over to AEW, the Wednesday Night War competition. Just amazing how, uh, God, how Wednesday nights is the best wrestling. It doesn't matter. You jump from one to the other. You know, you might be trying to watch a Becky Lynch promo while they're having a fucking amazing match like they did to open up AEW. Just right off the bat, Nick Jackson against Phoenix. Uh, Matt Jackson is a credible wrestler. I just opened this Upper X Rocks link that you sent me, and it's just Billy Gunn just staring at some ass, which is hilarious because he's such ass. <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll get to that part in a second. Uh, you know, as, as good as – I'll say this, as good as Pentagon is overall – Phoenix, when it comes to stuff that he can do, is crazy. He's one of those guys up there with, I think, uh, Nick Jackson's a good example, too, but, like, Will Ospreay and, and Ricochet and, and fucking even Humberto Carrillo, uh, you know, where they do stuff. Kota Bushi is another one. Uh, Mustafa Ali, where they do stuff, and I'm just like, how the fuck does your body work like that? And to take the other person, <laughs> Nick Jackson, where I feel like Matt 
is a very well-rounded wrestler, but his style is more like a Chad Gable. You know, he goes for a lot more suplexes, strong spots. He's a great wrestler in his own right, but Nick can just do crazy shit, and the two of them, it was so fast. I was trying to write down notes, Chris, for this match, and I just fucking gave up. I just was like, screw this. I want to be able to enjoy it. Very much reminded me of a Nitro Cruiserweight match. Thought it was awesome, but uh, Phoenix defeated uh, Nick Jackson by pinfall with the with a spinning uh, muscle buster. Um, Nick offered to shake hands after the match, but Phoenix refused. Kind of a dick move by Ray Phoenix. I don't know why they're pushing him as a heel. I, I, I to me, you know, he's a great babyface, but that's how they're doing it with him and Pentagon. They're kind of like, I guess, tweeners at this point, but just bad sportsmanship. And uh, Nick Jackson and Matt Jackson, they keep on having these troubles. Matt got hurt. He couldn't make it. He wasn't clear to wrestle that night. They keep on losing. I don't know what they're doing with the Jackson brothers, but this match was fucking awesome, I thought. Chris, what would you think? It was. I thought it was a really great match. I, it, I'm completely fine with him pushing Ray Phoenix as a heel because they need a good heel tag team. And to me, like, the Dark Order isn't the answer, so having Ray Phoenix and Pentagon be assholes, at least you're just like, oh, maybe they just hate Americans or something. Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for their Hill tag teams uh, unless you're going to turn the, uh, unless you're going to, you know, turn the Young Bucks heel. They don't really have a great heel tag team. LA Because, like, the best friends aren't really Pride heel. and Powerful. Pride, is that what they're called now? Pride and Powerful? LAX. They're, yeah, well, they're a pretty good example of the heel tag Yeah, but they're going to be tangled up with this storyline of Inner Circle versus the Elite for forever, yeah. right? So, I, I I thought this was a really good match. I thought it was funny that Phoenix beat Nick and then Nick offered the handshake. You don't really see that yeah. like that often. It's usually the guy that beats the other person offering the handshake. And I love Phoenix was like, he's a dick. No way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which not makes happening. sense if you if you know their feud. Like these two, these tag teams have been wrestling each other for forever, like five years at this point. So, like, of course, Ray Phoenix doesn't want to shake his hand. I liked it, um, and I mean, like you said, this was it's like watching a Kota Ibushi match. Like, what, there's only so much you can write down on paper because <laughs> that's how quick stuff goes. It was great. I liked it. Uh, I, this next match, on the other hand, um, not as much. Yeah, Hikaru uh, Shida uh, and uh, Britt Baker, I think both ladies are great. I think Shida's very – she's a little bit too stiff. Uh, she fucking looked like she <coughs> broke Britt Baker's nose throughout the course of it, and she won with a, uh, with, with a running knee, which I was like, God, man, after already that's happened, Britt loses – uh, from another knee to the face, looked like it made full contact. After, like I said, it looked like her nose was completely busted up. Uh, but you know, Brit's Brit's good. She just she also at the same time. I'm not trying to be a dick. She seems a bit green, and I think that Sheeta does also need to be uh, just get used to American style and 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 lay back a bit. You know, she's she's aggressive, but both ladies are good. I'm nothing against them. It just match, kind of like you alluded to, was a bit. Uh, messy, I would say. Um, and I don't know why Britt Baker took a loss. Uh, I think that Sheeta could have taken the loss. I don't know what they're doing with Britt exactly. Chris, what do you think? I mean, I think the idea is that – well, I think that maybe they have decided that Britt Baker is not a top 
dog, which that's a good assumption. In comparison to some of the other females that they have there, like, uh, you heard her doing the promo on AEW Dark, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. With like, the mandible I, I, part and... But, or <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is I could break your job, bitch. You know, that whole thing. Yeah, she should... Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was awful. So maybe they've just decided, hey... We're gonna run with the female Japanese wrestling and uh, and awesome calling and see how that goes. I, I, that's the only thing that makes sense because they have been pr- pushing Britt Baker. So for her to take a loss, like uh, I'm assuming that they're just gonna push Sheeta instead. That's like that's the only thing I can come up with. Yep. All right. Let's put these two things together to kind of move on since we got 15 minutes left until we're done. I wanna. Talk about this video segment. I got to say, man, I know that people are going to think I'm fucking crazy, but I really dug this video segment for the Dark Order. Uh, They had a nerdy guy getting bullied on a subway station. His glasses were broken. (laughs) And it was kind of like Scientology-styled fucking uh, concept of this guy recruiting people for his – it was like a propaganda ad for the Dark Order. And uh, I don't know who this dude is, but – Grab him and be their fucking manager or some shit, because I thought he was really entertaining in this fucking thing. And I like that they're trying to go for the Dark Order is not so much like a horror thing. They're more of a cult. They're a fucking weird cult. And if you join them, you become one of their their putties, basically. Now, their two wrestlers that represent it aren't – they're they're good in the ring. I mean, I can't deny their tag team moves. They're pretty fucking awesome. But they don't have the greatest look, but – the backup of this gives them, you know, something, a, a decent storyline. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, basically. And then Hangman Adam Page and MJF won the uh, Battle Royal. I don't like Battle Royals. They're just fucking crazy all over the place. I did like a lot of the stuff like we were alluding to with Sonny Kiss and uh, Badass Billy Gunn and MJF taking her and, and throwing her out and kind of ruining uh, some fun for Badass Billy Gunn throughout the course of it. Pentagon Jr. was taken out immediately because he doesn't know what his brother looks like, apparently, if he has a mask on, uh, when, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, that checks out if you watch Lucha Underground. Pentagon gets confused very easily. <laughs> Christopher Daniels and Pentagon should be an awesome program. I will definitely give them that. So I'm looking forward to it. Jungle Boy's over his shit. Uh, Jimmy Havoc took the stapler gun. I could do without that personally. I don't know why the last uh, guys, it was like Kip Sabian. We didn't know MJF because they always do us in battle royals. We didn't know that he didn't get eliminated and he was just chilling outside. And it was down to, I believe it was Paige, uh, Billy Gunn, Chuck Taylor, and uh, Jungle Boy. And uh, I, I don't know why Chuck Taylor was a part of those last four. I like Orange Cassidy also going against Billy Gunn and getting thrown out as well. And uh, Marco Stunt kind of getting obliterated. If you keep these comedic characters and they don't get taken as seriously as they would in, say, a PWG situation, they're fine. And just eventually with, with uh, you know, Orange Cassidy, show off his actual wrestling skills within a match, too. Because he has this, like, hulk up about him if you see him outside of this. So, well, it, it was a fine battle royal. I'll give it that. But I just I'm not a big fan of battle royals. Page and MJF were the last. They will be going against each other to determine the Diamond Dozen winner, and they get a ring. 
uh, instead of like a mid-card title. Not really sure about that. But what would you think about the video segment for Dark Order? What did you think about the Battle Royal, Chris? So I like the video segment. I just think it's weird with Dark Order's look and the putties. Like, if they were more like Bray Wyatt's old crew, I could be like, oh, that makes, that was, like, fucking awesome. Um, it's just, I get what they're trying to do, but, like, you got to join the Dark Order and then have evil Enos, Uno sit on your back like you're a throne or whatever. Like, that sounds fucking shitty. <laughs> no one's doing that. Um, but I, I like the video package. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the, the, my favorite thing out of Battle Royal, after seeing the screenshot at the top of this Uproxx link, <laughs> is definitely that moment where the badass Billy Gunn just looked at Sony Kiss's ass for like 10 minutes. Uh, that was pretty great. Uh, I like the comedy mixed in here. It's about a royal. Like, it doesn't have to be that serious. I think the th- thing that threw me off is I didn't realize that two people were going to win this thing. So at the end, when Hangman and MJF were still in the ring, I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? They were like, ding, ding, ding. And I was like, that's not how battle royals work. <laughs> Isn't only one person supposed to win? But it makes sense because they're setting up a match for next week. So it's, that was more on me than the actual show. I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was really good. The Pentagon stuff is hilarious. I do look forward to him versus uh, Christopher Daniels because they're both fucking amazing. And, like, if you're going to give anyone 20 minutes for a match at the next pay-per-view, those are two people you should give that to because I've seen Christopher Daniels in Ring of Honor and TNA, and he's absolutely incredible. And we've all – I always gush over Pentagon. I think he was in my top five favorite wrestlers when we used to do the top five list. So, yeah, that, that should be fucking incredible. It'll probably end up being the best match of the night when they finally get there. Absolutely. All right, I love this uh, Jericho fucking promo. Just amazing shit. I love that he had a big announcement to make, and that's that next week's going to be basically a celebration for him. Like, God, Jericho's <laughs> so great. Hook, line, sinker. People were like, I wonder what he's going to announce. What is it going to do? Is it going to be the next person that he's going to go against? No, he just wants to have a giant celebration for himself. Um, you know, kind of going well, back to the to Festival of Friendship. 15 mi- he wants to take a full 15 minutes to announce that he's having a celebration of himself. <laughs> it's me. amazing and then the best thing is like every time he tries to go to apologize he tries to, he starts stuttering and just makes jack hagar say apologize for him or sorry for him and you could tell jake hagar was like about to start cracking up because it was so fucking funny i'm laughing right now uh scu comes out uh we have this great stuff where scorpio sky uh tells jericho that you know he pinned him last week and that his stock's gone up and he's gotten so much praise and that the girl that he liked in high school is going to go on a date with him next week. And this is awesome. And Jericho's like, I don't remember if it was Melody or Melissa, but like Jericho's well, just to let you know, Mel- Melody's gotten fat lately. And, you know, just, just being that, that fucking dickhead heel. One thing, though, cameraman, we're in a time period where it might not have been the best uh, time after he, Chris Jericho said that to go immediately to a female, you know, more heavy set female in the audience as a shot of her reaction. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, so, I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to get Tony Khan to get some bad heat at him. But, uh, yeah, it was like rabbit season, duck season, Chris, with this thing, with Scorpio Sky, like, playing Bugs Bunny and getting Chris Jericho to give him a title match next Wednesday, like, acting like he didn't want it, and just reverse psychology. I thought it was awesome. Inner Circle came out. They're beating their ass. Brandon Cutler and Nakazawa – came out to save SCU, which two great guys to fucking, you know, why don't you get Peter Avalon to come out as well? But uh, Jurassic Express came out, and Luchasaurus stared down Jack Hagar, who fled the ring. 
awesome ending to it. What did you think about this promo, Chris? Dude, the promo was absolutely incredible. Loved it. <laughs> it's two weeks in a row. Everything they put Jericho in, he's great. <laughs> I think he should always be wearing that Jack Lantern coat he had on uh, near Halloween, though, because that's <laughs> absolutely incredible. And I don't know if you noticed this, but, like, the week after he made fun of MJF for wearing a scarf, he, like, literally wore a Praise scarf. Him. <laughs> yeah, like, and wore a scarf. Oh, man, Chris Jericho, he's the best, dude. He's slowly climbing to the greatest of all time. He He's just, he's just the best. <laughs> I r- really hate the code breaker, though. It, like, just in general, it, anytime anyone tries to hit it out of nowhere, it looks like shit. Like, sorry, it just does. I've seen, like, a bazillion people trying to do it. It always looks like shit. It's not as cool as the RKO. Just let it go. Let it go, dudes. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> all right. Uh, we had a squash match with Luchasaurus kicking the shit out of uh, Peter Avalon. Not much to say about that. Awesome fucking tag match. Uh, tag match of the night for me between I'm, the two shows with Private Party and Proud and uh, Proud and Powerful. That's what they're called, Proud and Powerful. But it basically ended with Sammy Guevara coming out, uh, you know, after Nick Jackson did and them brawling, and then Dustin Rhodes coming out and helping out the baby faces. Uh, despite having a cast on his arm. So it looks like we're going to be doing the uh, Bob Orton angle with him. Uh, what do you think about these two matches, Chris? So I liked it a lot, but I don't, I don't get where they're going um, with the tag division because it, it, the thought would be SEU because Pride and Powerful hasn't lost. So you could make an argument that they should be number one contenders, but – Scorpio is feuding with Jericho, so that's you know in itself is a little weird. Maybe they're setting up a title match that way. But then Dustin Rhodes comes out, so you're like, okay, so is Dustin Rhodes going to get a random tag partner? And Cody can't fight for the title again, so you would assume they're building toward Pride. Uh, Fucking LAX versus Dustin and Cody. I'm assuming that's where that build is going. It's interesting. I would say Gin and Juice is one of my favorite finishers right now. I think that's fucking just amazing. Hurricane Rana into an RKO. That's that's so, like, if if you fuck up just a little bit, Chris, that whole move's done. You know, it's screwed. Botched. But, but yet they hit it perfectly every time, and it still looks better than the fucking <laughs> code breaker. So. Oh, I'm still on that code breaker. I think that's why he switched, I guess, to making that rolling elbow, or whatever, that elbow thing that everyone hates his move which i actually really like uh he doesn't do it as good as andrade but i i still like the uh the judas effect i do uh i didn't like kenny's uh, promo in the weight room i don't know why you try to act comedic by having the 10 pounds thing i don't i don't know what the fuck they're doing with kenny I, i'm very confused i'm glad he's going against pop next week but am i the only one thinking that that was a dumb like why would you have a jokey promo after you just lost and you're supposed to be all distraught about this, and then, you know, I just, I didn't get it, Chris. Did you understand why they did this? Uh, no. I mean, he, the promo he cut the week before was, made sense, because he wants to be, and the stuff he did on being the elite, I don't even understand, like, just show what he did on being the elite, instead of having him do a separate promo, because what he did there, talking about how he wants to be Ambrose at his own game, and how he's basically... It's turning him crazy. It's supposed to be the idea, but it just came off super corny and 
like he was trying to play a comedic character as opposed to like it's making him mentally insane that he lost in a hardcore match. So the idea is yeah. it's driving him crazy because he couldn't beat him in a hardcore match, and he knows that he can beat him in a normal match, which is exactly the opposite of what I wanted them to do, which is where Omega just beats the shit out of Moxley with every weapon he could find, but Moxley refuses to use anything, which I think was, is actually a better story since they're both from CZW anyways and have no problems with hardcore matches. So fuck it. It's weird. It's just a weird all around. But yes, it sucked. I agree. All right, the last match was Darby Allen going against uh, John Moxley. I thought it was awesome that Darby Allen came out in a body bag with Mox spray painted on it. Got out of the body bag with his skateboard, went to the ring. You have Moxley coming through the crowd. He interrupts him and just starts brawling everywhere. It ends with the paradigm shift off the top fucking ropes. Both these guys are monsters. John Moxley wins, but both of them <laughs> looked awesome. Darby Allen is so good at selling. I mean, besides being an aerial artist like a motherfucker, his selling, when he goes limp, it looks like he just got shot in the head. Like, it's ridiculous. That paradigm shift off top ropes could have been very bad, and it didn't. It looked like Darby almost slipped, too, which is very scary, but they pulled it off. Great match. Darby Allen is uh, Robin to uh, Crow Sting's uh, Batman, is what I think. Chris, what do you think about this match and the ending to AEW Dynamite? This was my favorite match of the entire week, and I think as it was going on, I texted you, and I was like, this is fucking better than the pay-per-view match. Like, why did I pay $50 for Omega versus Moxley? Um, I thought the match was awesome. I, Dar- Darby Allen is, uh, is really, really grown on me from the, the – uh, Vice documentary with him and Gabe Sapolsky that they did uh, all the way through his build and what they've done on being the elite. They've made this guy a character you can care about. It was a little weird that he challenged Moxley after being beat down by the inner circle. I think that would be my only small complaint about it, but outside of that, like phenomenal. I thought the match was absolutely great. The Paradon shift or the, I guess it was, what is, I guess it's the Death Rider if it's elevated, so the Death Rider um, at the end was absolutely insane, and he dropped he dropped him straight on his neck, which was fucking crazy. But it, both these guys are crazy. Um, one thing before I'm done with this is just like every match they've done as a hardcore match that wasn't Moxley versus Omega has been a better version of what they were trying to do at that pay per view, which is just fucking baffling to me. Yep, I don't know, man. Apparently, it's it's a legendary match and one of the greatest hardcore matches of all time. Just kidding. I don't know if I would say that, but some people seem to think that. Either way, great show. Loved it. And that's the bottom line. Justo Sesto. Thank you guys so much for joining Wrestling Geeks Alliance on your Saturday. If you guys are listening to us on other platforms or, or if you're listening live, and you want to listen to us on other platforms, we're on iTunes. We are on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, all the major ones. Just search on them, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, and check out geekvibesnation.com for a lot of news and information, and also links to our Facebook, our Twitter, and our Instagram at geekvibesnation.com. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Say goodbye to the beautiful people. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. 
Um, make sure you check out all of our other podcasts. Like uh, Dane said, we have Skates the Throats a little bit later today, which is the hockey podcast. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Everyone have a wonderful weekend, and, and you guys stay out of trouble. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thank you guys so much, and join us next Thursday at 7 p.m. for another episode of Wrestling Kicks Alliance. Have a wonderful weekend, and let the geek buys be with you. Peace out. Hey, Bubs, this is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. Presents Wrestling Geeks Alliance.